Here at the Cavaliers Basketball Club podcast, we wanted to share with you that we use Anchor by Spotify because we find it to be the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Exactly. With Anchor, you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can distribute your podcast with the click of a button to platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and my favorite, Overcast. It's also helpful that Anchor is the only place that you can directly post video podcasts to Spotify. And it's completely free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. It's the Cavaliers Basketball Club Podcast. It's basketball time to kill. Love picks up Curry. Kyrie Irving from downtown. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. It's over. It's over. The 52 year is over. The Cavaliers have won the NBA championship. Cleveland, this is for you. Sexton works on Irving. Hey. The shoot around. Welcome back to the club. It's the NBA Finals. The Celtics and the Warriors are tied 2-2. Steph Curry had an impressive game four to tie the series. Yeah, I've noticed this is a back-and-forth matchup with a lot of lopsided wins and up-and-down play from each team's best players. Game 4 was the closest game, so hopefully that means that the Stars will all finally show up. So, Colin, I've heard around town that it's over. The the debate is over. Steph Curry is now better than LeBron. What, What say you? Yeah, Adam, I've noticed a lot of that, too, especially on Twitter. I think these debates are fun. They're maybe a little silly. But when you look at these two players, Steph is a fantastic shooter, possibly one of the best shooters, if not the best shooter of all time. But LeBron's just a better all-around player. And one thing I'll say for sure that he can do that Steph has never really been able to do is dunk a basketball. So I'll end it there. Yeah, dunking is not the most important thing to me, but I get what you're saying. I mean, physical ability is a huge part of the game, and even though Steph is extremely uh, quick, and he's got great ball handling skills, and again, like you said, he's a fantastic shooter, the overall package to me is what makes one of the greatest players of all time. And this just comes down to the how many rings does he have debate makes him the best of all time. Well then, Robert Ory, I guess, is the greatest player of all time. And what do you want me to say? I appreciate Steph for who he is, even though, you know, from a rivalry standpoint, I can't stand him. What I would mention over a dunk is how many finals did he lose, and yet there was still a debate about him being named MVP. LeBron is the only person in my lifetime that everybody seriously considered giving him the MVP, even though he didn't win the finals. Meanwhile, they couldn't even give the MVP to Steph in that series. They had to give it to their sixth man, Andre Iguodala, on the bench. So, Don't even start this conversation with me, Twitter. It's ridiculous. Chris Fedor has shared in his reporting that the Cavs are inclined to take a player in the draft who is more raw if they feel their upside is bigger than a more known talent. Do you agree? I don't know if I agree with this mentality because 
this tells the Cavs fan base that the front office and the coaching staff are happy with the Cavs roster as a whole. And I think that the roster is really solid. And I know that the team suffered from a lot of injuries, you know, with Rubio going out and with Dean Wade getting hurt and with Sexton getting hurt. But I still think the team could go after a guy and draft a guy who is super skilled, at least in one aspect of the game. There are a few wing players in this draft who are really good defensively. So their shot isn't as good, but they would need a little bit more help with shooting. Or they are really solid passers and they need a little more help on the defensive side of the ball. And I know that the draft is a crapshoot. You and I don't really follow college basketball and we know that it's kind of luck of the draw with some of these players but I think the team really shouldn't focus on a project I think if they're going to keep this pick the 14th pick overall they need a player who can contribute and push other players on the bench especially for minutes only because I still see this team as a team that barely eat into the play-in tournament and I would much rather have a guy who can contribute every other night or every third night to a victory versus a guy who might end up riding the bench and in the G League all season that's kind of my hot take it's not that I think the Cavs are being ignorant or that they're not doing the right thing. I just feel that they're, they could potentially miss out on reloading their bench or getting a good solid player and shooting for the stars and completely miss the boat. I agree. It's a situation where, from the historical standpoint of what the Cavs normally do in the draft, I'm never excited about the draft. It doesn't really matter, even if we have the number one pick, Anthony Bennett. But, you know, it, overall, <laughs> as an organization, we've just struggled to find value no matter where we pick. And I've given a lot of credit. I've tried to here over the last two years on our podcast for how it seems that the organization has finally flipped that around. That player after player that we've drafted for the last three seasons or so four seasons has been a benefit to this squad and to this organization it isn't just because we're rebuilding um, these players have value and we're going to see them playing on other teams if they don't remain here I really believe that I'm skeptical of ever really giving away how you might play your hand prior to the draft beginning and I know that there's some reason to do it but the Cavaliers are in this great position where they don't need the 14th pick so they literally can do anything they want with it they can and draft any player they want with the intention of immediately trading them away or it being if, it, if somebody falls to them that just oh my gosh this level of player made it here why would you not grab that player well no 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 we said we were just looking for prospects we're not going to go for an unbelievable talent that fell into our lap at 14 that's why all of these things usually I think it has more to do with trying to make copy during the offseason and give us something to talk about I'm not sure how much that the rumors that are being spread are even really true other than you know just thoughts that they have in the boardroom of like oh well Maybe we'd do that. And then because news has to be made, we're talking about it. Now, I love Chris Fedor's work. I'm not here saying that I'd want him to not break these stories when there's something to mention. I'm just here to say that I can't get excited about it either way. I, I have no opinion either way because we are now at this wonderful stage as an organization where I don't we don't need that draft pick. I don't care what we do with it. If anything, I want the best value out of it to maximize and keep what we have. 
So if bringing in a player from the draft is going to benefit our team, great, bring them on in, more the merrier. Because I trust that as an organization, we now have the right mindset of who we're looking for and how they're going to contribute to the team. But if they don't find the right piece, why force it? Shop around, see if they can pick up a player that can easily be moved to another team and get value in another direction. We've got players to consider trading and possibly a whole package of players, and we'll get into that a little bit. We have so many players on our team now that are those prospect will they won't be uh, how much can we really get out of them type of players we have our core amazing guys but then we have a whole bench of players beyond them that they're still works in progress so to add another one to the team great you know but who now loses a spot as anybody knows that listens to our pod we like everybody on the team so it's kind of hard to imagine letting a rookie come in and take any of their spots when they've been going through some pretty tough seasons together and bonding in a way that I don't think that you can put a price tag on you brought up the previous draft picks and when you look at colin sexton darius garland isaac okoro and evan mobley i would kind of assume that sexton was known to be as the biggest project because he was the number eight overall pick and it turned out that he is actually a score first point guard slash shooting guard the other players in that group the Cavs had an idea of what they would bring to the team. We knew that Okoro was going to be a lockdown defender. Darius's first year was tough, but it turned out that he was what they thought he was going to be, which was a really good starting point guard who could distribute and shoot. And Evan Mobley is just amazing on all fronts. So for me, fans in the organization could kind of hang their hat on what they were getting out of those picks. And so I agree with you. I think that Fedor is just reporting what he's hearing and he's trying to give a little bit of an insight as to what the team might be thinking when they approach the draft. But I think this thinking is a little counterintuitive to the success of the players that they have on the team because the one player I'm thinking of that they took a flyer on based purely on overall talent and was a bit of a project was Kevin Porter Jr. And they had to trade him. That's kind of why I'm a little hesitant to say like, oh, this is kind of the right direction. That's just me. I'm being a little selfish there. John Hollinger of The Athletic recently evaluated Colin Sexton's value to be under $11 million a year. Do you think that is too much or too little? There's no doubt in my mind that the Cavaliers are in a bind when it comes to Colin Sexton. This question is almost impossible to answer. On the one hand, I think that he's proven pretty consistently that he deserves more. But coming off of the injury that he's had, I mean, we just got a video of him dunking for the first time in over a year. In the same way that Clay Thompson was out of the game for a while and you weren't really sure what you were going to get back. Sexton didn't have that kind of injury, but any injury is concerning until they're fully back. And it's really hard to pay a person coming off of an injury. The you and I have anticipated that what would be best for both sides is to maybe do a two-year contract with a, the second year being an option, player option. Something similar to what LeBron used to handcuff the team with every year. Simply because Sexton needs to reassert his value and we need... Him 
him to do that. I think that there's going to be more than enough money on the Caps to pay him what he deserves. And right now, the only benefit of signing him for maybe 10 or 11 million is to me, you're getting him at a discount. And in that way, great, do it. It's going to be short lived. I really have a lot of faith that Sexton's going to come back strong, hungry. I think that when all you can do is rehab your knee, but then lift weights and other things within the gym, it's going to be a different player coming back. And he hasn't even remotely hit his peak yet for his physical performance. It's a real shame to me that there's already all these rumors about him not being able to stay and that they might move him. I think this kind of conversation is a part of that. Floating the idea of what they can get away with while things are still up in the air. Because... When he comes back, he's going to prove that he's worth a lot more than that. And it's only the injury, it's only the unfortunate circumstance that he's in that has knocked his value down so low. So that's probably where I'd stand. What what do you think about it? When the media starts putting money valuations on what players should be worth, especially a guy like Hollinger, who used to be in the Grizzlies front office, then that really helps teams a lot because they can approach the agents and say, hey, the media landscape, the fans, what they're reading, they're seeing that the player is only worth this much money. I think in a lot of the argument or the statement that you made, it was right on the nose with it's unfortunate that Sexton got hurt. I do think personally he's worth a lot more money than $10 million a year. But I also know from what I've heard and listening in other pods, mainly from what Chris Fedor has reported, according to Collins' team, they want something that starts with a two. So $20 million, $21 million. That's a lot of money for a guy who's coming back from an injury. And just like what you said, we just now saw a video of him dunking. It's not like he was dunking a couple months ago. The offseason just started up. The season's really just around the corner. So it's hard to tell how good that one knee is. So in my mind, the Cavs have a huge decision. They have to figure out if they can bring back the player that was the first draft choice that they took to really move on from LeBron. They didn't know they were moving on from LeBron. They had a pretty good inkling. They have to figure out if they're going to keep Sexton even on a two or three year deal like what you said, because I think that that's better for the health of the organization to show the rest of the team and the rest of the players that even if you do have a huge injury, if you've shown that you can help other players, that you can be a professional basketball player and set the tone for an organization, we're still going to bring you back. That's kind of what I'm thinking and feeling. It's kind of on the same level as you. I feel like you and I are very pro-Sexton. I'm not just saying that because he has the same first name as me. I don't know what your reasoning is. He's a really fun basketball player, and I think the Cavs need to try to hold on to him. The final seconds. The Cavs recently updated their brand and colors. Do you like the new look? Yeah, so real quick, they moved to more of a maroon and they added the gold back and they went to black. So they dropped the blue and most importantly, in my mind, they dropped the sword. So they've also incorporated, which I think you and I are the most excited for, is the V with the basketball 
going through uh, the V as a, as a net. So I think that that's really cool and clever. And they've really just finally cleaned up the whole look and the brand for the organization. So it's four distinctive word marks, three distinctive colors. I think that's much smarter to do. They were getting pretty muddled the further they moved away from when LeBron first came to the team they kept incorporating and kind of frankensteining into different things so to actually answer the question i love this new direction i love the maroon i love the gold and i'm happy that they have made black as part of the established brand as well and most importantly the v with the basketball going through it is just amazing i'm very happy that they moved back to that the Cavs are a basketball team so maybe incorporate basketball themes that's very normal in the nba so i like it a lot i agree pretty much across the board i know i saw an article where they were talking to the Cavaliers creative director Daniel Arsham and he was talking about uh, he's grown up in Cleveland he's been here through the whole years he understands the history of, of the team and he said that through the years there have been layered interpretations of the Cavs logos and color hues to represent the brand in thinking about the next chapter of where to go with the design the approach was to compose distilled versions of the logos to create a refreshed identity. For the generations of Cavs fans who have been on this journey, I understand the nostalgia certain team insignias have for them. So it was important to be respectful to where we have been as we look to the future. I believe we accomplished that. The future is exciting and our city and fan base have embraced this new generation of incredible young players. As we enter a new era of Cavs basketball, it is time to give them a mark of their own. Great. You know, uh, all the right buttons to press all the right things to say. Um, and from a visual standpoint, I agree with you. I think kind of the direction they've been heading in is now what they've moved even uh, further towards. There's definitely a sense of old in their design, but then they've got that newer look. I like the gold touch quite a bit. I like that they brought that back. I like that more than the maroon even, especially with the black behind. I think it looks so good. It looks, especially the V with the ball in it, it looks, it reminds me of the trophy itself. Self, which I think they are alluding to. And that is the thing, like since the Cavs had that logo, we won a championship. So it is kind of cool that now that logo is a little more vertical, a little tighter to fit the fact that we're a championship organization. The only negative that I would give is I missed the sword on the badge. I actually thought it looked better as far as it fitting behind the, the text and then moving into the sea. From a um, graphic design standpoint, I just think that the new badge is missing something, and to me, to me, it's missing the sword. The C could maybe become bigger and go behind the lettering a little bit or something to kind of make up for that emptiness now that lives in the black, but that's my only criticism. Would you trade Kevin Love and Jetty Osman for Gordon Hayward, Mason Plumley, and Boston's 2024 second round pick? Uh, no. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, do that trade. I think there's probably greater value for Kevin and Jetty overall. We don't need Gordon Hayward. He hasn't really been the same since his injuries. Mason Plumley is an interesting pickup, but I'm not sure we need him either. There's other serviceable seven footers that average seven and seven a night. And Boston's 2024 picks probably going to mean nothing because they could win the finals this year. And I think they're going to be a team that is going to be in that conversation for many years to come. So no, I wouldn't do it. How about you? 
I also wouldn't do it. This is one of those classic Bleacher Report or Twitter questions that gets thrown out to the NBA Twitterverse. And Kevin Love was second in sixth man voting. And he has an expiring contract after next season that's close to $30 million. The Cavs should be able to get a really good piece if they do trade him. They shouldn't look at teams that are trying to offload players because I know that Charlotte is going to be up against the cap this season. And I've also heard that Gordon Hayward isn't the coolest teammate. So if the Cavs feel like they need to move Kevin Love and if he wants to move for whatever reason, they need to make it for a really good value and not a trade like this. Luke Walton was hired to the coaching staff. Thoughts on this hire? I haven't thought of Luke Walton since he coached the Warriors to a 73-win season, and I forget how that season ended. I don't know, but... Anyway, I'm a little indifferent about the hire. I think that Walton, it's good to pick up more coaches and especially coaches that maybe know more offensive systems and schemes. That's probably Bickerstaff's weaker element to his game in his coaching is offensively the team can get a little stale. So I was happy to see that he is looking to bring in other voices to maybe help move the team along offensively and kind of round out his coaching staff. Yeah, this isn't really on my radar. I think it's interesting when we pick up talent from around the league, and Luke Walton certainly has been around the league. He's never ventured to the East before, so this is the first chance that we're going to see him as an assistant on an Eastern Conference team. I think it's interesting to me that he had the opportunities that he got after coaching for Steve Kerr many years ago during the 2016 season, and then moving on to being the head coach of the Lakers and the Kings after that. I wonder what he'll bring to the team. Certainly, he is more of an offensive-minded coach, but I think the headline that grabbed my attention was that the Cavs, they decided to promote their defensive coach uh, from assistant coach to associate head coach under J.B. Bickerstaff. And uh, Wojnarowski reported that the Cavaliers are promoting assistant Greg Buckner to associate head coach sources tell ESPN. Buckner played a significant role with J.B. Bickerstaff in elevating the Cavs' defense into one of the league's top five last season. Oh, thank you, ESPN, for talking about something positive about the Cavs. Of course, it's Adrian that would mention it. Moving the deck chairs around, I don't really care. I think at the end of the day, we know that J.B. is the head coach we've been looking for, and whoever he decides should be a part of his staff. I trust that wholeheartedly. It'll be interesting to see what Luke brings to the table, but I am excited that they've promoted their defensive coach because it just shows that they're going to come back in next season with the same mentality of locking teams down. And yeah, hopefully the offense can figure out a way to be just as effective and we're going to be we're going to be in the playoffs next year, that's for sure. It was also suggested by Fedor that Lowry Markkanen is a part of the Cavs core players. Do you agree? As of right now, coming into the 2022-2023 season, I would say he is because they still have ideas about that. Um, I've said before, we, we said it in the player profile for marketing. That's all going to come down to what he can provide to the team next season. Again, he came in this last season and kept his numbers consistent from being on the Bulls the year before. And that's not nothing when you change environments and change organizations and you can still maintain 
what you consistently do, that's great. But as you've pointed out, he may not be suited for the small forward position. He may not be suited for any position beyond that. I mean, he has to decide how he wants to play the game. And right now, he's kind of like a taller Kevin Love that just wants to take a lot of outside shots. That works for Kevin because it's at the end of his career and we're all fine with him just being out there and taking those those opportunities. But Laurie is a young man who should be finding just about every corner of the court as a place that he can reign. And if he can't come in next year and prove that he can be a little more diverse in that way, I don't think that he's here long term. We got him for a really good deal for what he's worth. And if he's going to remain kind of rigidly what he's shown that he is, then he may fit better on another team just based on a kind of what we have surrounding him and then also what we may bring in coming into the next season. How about you? Yeah, I think for this season, I can understand why he would be lumped in as a core player. They invested a lot of money in him, not a ton, but a good amount of money in him. And they also traded away Larry Nance, who was considered Larry Nance is going to go down as a, a franchise favorite, a fan favorite, possibly even their best defensive player at that time when they traded him. So they gave up a lot to get Lowry. So I can understand why the Cavs would keep him and want to establish him more. But I agree with you. He has to show more versatility in his game offensively and defensively. He was able to play on both sides of the court pretty well at times last season, but not in a consistent manner. And hopefully, given that he will have another year with a group of players who really do complement his style of play and will challenge him to, to improve his game, he will get better. But I do think the leash is shorter with him compared to Allen, Garland, and Mobley. I think if the right deal came across for Lowry, even in a year and a half at the trade deadline, they would probably pull the trigger, depending on if he kind of keeps playing the way he does. They need to see more out of him to really keep him on the team long term. Thank you for listening to the Cavaliers Basketball Club podcast. Let's go Cavs!